welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. All right, welcome back everybody to another episode of the Nittany Blues Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, joined as always by my co-host and wingman, Vince. Vince, how are you doing, my friend? I'm I'm doing well. How was your bye week? It was good. Got a lot of stuff done. Uh, watched some very entertaining football. It's nice to kind of watch some of those games through the lens of not having to worry about Penn State's record or their performance from that weekend and just really look at all the other teams. Uh, kind of gives you a different perspective, but it was it was a crazy week. Yeah, it was a, a wild week in college football. Uh, unfortunately, Penn State's still ranked at number six. But hey, I like being underdogs. Um, although I did see an interesting statistic. So ESPN has this advanced analytics statistic uh, for college football. And mm-hmm. it actually had Penn State ranked number one with their stats as like best team. And interestingly... Georgia was not in the top five. Georgia and Michigan were not in the top five. So the list went uh, number one was Penn State. Number two was Oklahoma. Three was Oregon. Four was Washington. And I think five was Ohio State. So what are your thoughts on those analytics? Uh, Do you think they are valid or do you think these analytics are just not true indicators of the eye test? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's kind of a mixed bag sometimes. So just to be clear, are you talking about uh, Bill Connolly's SP plus rankings, like the one with the uh, the resume involved, like those metrics? Yeah, I think it was Penn State has the best resume resume maybe to be ranked number right. one based off their yeah. analytics. Yeah, that might that might have been it because I, I shared it. the article with you and I was like, oh, like this is surprising. Like I know Penn state's having a good year, but not mm-hmm. number one in the, the country year. Yeah. So I think, uh, and meanwhile, you know, we're, we're talking about like how bad their offense is and they're ranked number one in I the mean, country. True. Yeah. I think, uh, I think though, you know, Bill Connolly has like a, has a pretty good reputation of like developing a pretty robust system as far as like his metrics are concerned. Um, most of the time they line up pretty closely like with what's being shown in like the AP poll and in the college football playoff poll and stuff like that. So, I mean, like it, it's not like his model is like that far off. I mean, I think that, you know, when you're doing the eye test of who Penn state has beaten so far uh, versus other teams, uh, what Penn state is lacking right now that I think a lot of people would probably point and say like, no, there's no way this is right. Is that like big signature win? Because if, you know, Iowa, you know, turns out to be, pretty good even with Cade McNamara unfortunately uh seems like he's out for the season like the you know Penn State would have more of that like kind of bookmark win for the 2023 season already but you know even when you look across the entire field here like Penn State's resume actually isn't stacking up to be too bad I mean Illinois is uh has kind of been trending downward um following that loss to Penn State even though they played us uh, pretty close um in Champaign West Virginia is turning out to be probably a lot better than a lot of uh, people predicted. So, you know, 
top of the Big 12, actually. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of, you know, like data points being put in and there's, there's a lot of room for people to kind of like disagree, you know, based on like what they see with their eyes and stuff like that. Cause I mean, it's like, you look at teams like, like Oklahoma and Texas and, you know, like I, I love my Nittany Lions, but it's like, how could you look at either one of those two teams and be like, oh yeah, they totally sit behind Penn State in this one, you know, ranking thing. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I think it's, uh, it's interesting. It's definitely, um, you know, discussion worthy, like we're doing right here. I think it's going to get, uh, a lot more interesting though. Um, once the game against Ohio state comes and goes. Yeah, that'll be more of a, an indicator of where we really are. Cause that's the big dogs right there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what are, what are, what are some other games that excited you outside of the, uh, uh, what was the most exciting game? Would you say? I would say the most exciting had to be Texas, Oklahoma. I mean, that drive by Dylan Gabriel to go and score. I mean, what with, with it being less than like a minute and a half or something like that. Like I made the comment in our group text that it, it looked like Christian Hackenberg against Michigan esque, like, you know, just no fear finding the guy downfield and like, they're finding guys in space who are able to do things after the catch, get the ball downfield. And like, it just snowballed for Texas. I mean, once, once Oklahoma got to like the five, they were done. Like they, they couldn't stop them. Like they were, they were seeing ghosts. So, um, I mean, that, that was huge for them. Um, I thought that Oklahoma looked like the better team for most of that game. So I thought that the better team, uh, came out on top in that one. Uh, you know, so I mean that that was just a crazy game. Given that you know it's like two highly ranked teams, Red River rivalry, go, soon going to the SEC. Like there there was a lot riding on this, and I mean Texas had the chance, and you know what they were hoping to do was really um, kind of solidify like their coming out season in this college football playoff era um, after beating Alabama. You know, beating their next biggest rival and stuff. And so now they're going to be kind of, uh, fighting for their playoff lives here a little bit too. Yeah. Alabama to A&M was very close too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I mean, there were some like even crazy, like even crazier endings I felt than, than that, just in terms of like the length of the game and stuff like that. Cause I mean, Arizona, uh, nearly took out USC in double overtime. I mean, Caleb Williams had to do some very special things, um, to score, in some very short windows of time um, against the Wildcats, their freshman quarterback. Uh, oh my gosh. I, I'm going to blank on his name. Um, freshman quarterback for Arizona was very impressive. Uh, had a couple of like, yes, Fafita. Thank you. Um, he looked, he looked really good. Uh, he looked fearless at times, which I think is what you need against a team like that. USC is in some serious freaking trouble against Oregon and Washington. If they don't square up that defense, they're giving up it 40 points porous. every week. It's unbelievable. Like, I'm like, if they didn't have Caleb Williams, like, what would this team's record be? Like, seven and five, eight and four. Well, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> he gets drafted, and we don't have to worry about him next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Which do you buy this whole? I make enough money via NIL, so I might just decide to come back to school for one more year. Argument? Like, do you buy that? I mean, do you know what I'm talking about? First of all. I don't think it makes makes sense because then you're just going to get drafted to another bad situation next year. 
And the, th- the thing with NIL is he's going to be getting a, a one-year deal versus a, a five-year deal of a first-round draft pick. So I, I can't imagine you're getting paid five times as much or even four times as much as an NFL contract. Yeah, so in terms of like making the mo- getting the most guaranteed money, I think you need to go with the, the long-term deal. Exactly. And to add on top of that, like the way I was thinking about this is like, sure, do you not want to go to, you know, like the worst team in the NFL? Like, sure. Like nobody's going to look at going to, you know, like who who's the worst team in the NFL right now? You know, like maybe like the Chicago Bears or something like that. You don't look at that organization and you go, oh man, like I can't wait to go and like play for this team that has you know, severely hampered Justin Fields and stuff like that. Like no, no players out there doing that. However, if you're trying to bank on NIL, you're also putting yourself in a position to get hurt in the college game. And what that does is it, it creates like a cascade of negative uh, effects. The one of which of course, being that like you, you know, if your injury is severe enough, it could hamper your ability to play football ever again. Number two, it's probably going to severely affect your draft stock. So maybe you don't become that automatic number one pick anymore like you're expected to be. And number three, if you get hurt in college and all these like NIL things or whatever, all that stuff just goes up in smoke too. Like it, it, it's ruthless and cold, but like these are businesses. Like if you're not out there playing football and like getting exposure for these businesses and stuff like that, like as a college athlete, they're not going to be paying you the money just for charity. So I so like when this whole thing came out where it's like, oh, yeah, I can like choose like which team I go to. I'm like, bull crap. Like, yeah, if I mean, no, if you, no matter what he does, he's going to have enough money to be set for the rest of his life as long as he's smart with it. But um, yeah, if you're trying to get the most, uh, just take the five year deal. You, you only have to be there for five years. And if you want to leave him for agency, no one's forcing you to stay like you can go wherever you want. So I think it's just kind of. uh I don't know, almost kind of silly uh, to like even just say no to that kind of money. And like, honestly, like I like Drake, Drake may a lot. Like, I think I would like take Drake may over Caleb Williams. Uh, I, I think, I think he has a, the potential to be a really good NFL quarterback. No, I think they're both going to be special, but I, I yeah. think that, I mean, when I watch, when I watch Caleb Williams right now in college though, I'm reminded so much of Patrick Mahomes. Like just talk about like mm-hmm. a guy who, just he just has like the the feel man like he looks like he's just like feeling the force out there like he knows exactly like where the pressure is coming from like which direction he has to like kind of twitch his body to avoid it and stuff so he's avoiding like all this pressure that's put on him he's like scrambling to the outside and then he whips the ball like 50 yards downfield to a guy who's just like wide open like i you know he just he just looks special but i mean like granted you know you get you get a guy in there like uh, like Drake May who just has like such strong uh, ability to show everything that you want in a in a uh, pro quarterback. So I think you really can't miss on either of those guys, to be honest. Yeah, honestly, like I'm I'm kind of getting Kyler Murray vibes from Caleb Williams, uh, just mm. kind of from what I've seen. I know I don't watch him play a ton. Uh, I think I watched him play against Utah last year when he was injured, so I haven't really seen him at his best, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just kind of like the whole like, oh, I'm only going to play for like these four or five teams. And like, I'm like, it's giving me those Kyler Murray vibes and like things don't seem to be working out in Arizona. And then I also think it's kind of funny that everyone's like, oh, like Arizona's tanking for 
uh, Kyler Mer- or uh, Caleb Williams, the number one pick. And so I, I kind of find that kind of funny. And, uh, you know, time will tell, I guess. It'll be fun to see where these, uh, you know, these picks go. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, just to put a bow on that, like, I think it's a total bluff because in my mind, like, if you come out of this season healthy, if you're Caleb Williams, if you're healthy and you're like a Heisman finalist, your team is in contention for the playoff or whatever, and you go to like a New Year's Six Bowl or whatever, like you, he would be a fool, in my opinion, to not go to the NFL at that point because there is so much more money to be made overall and more guaranteed money to be made going pro right then and there than there would be uh, for him to come back. But regardless, but yeah, other than that, I mean, uh, a couple other games, um, Miami, dude, Miami literally fumbling <laughs> a game away. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything crazier done by a coach. Just like, like what was running like, and not only just Mario Cristobal, but did nobody have the sense to just kind of radio down and be like, Hey, like, why aren't we taking a knee? Yeah, right. Like that's uh situational awareness is so important in sport. Like we would practice that even like high school basketball, just knowing what we need to do to find a way to win and what would be the best avenue to achieve that goal. And the fact that like take a knee with less than 40 seconds left and the other team has zero timeouts, like those are things you, you got to pay, pay attention to. So here's a here's a question for you. Do you think it was a lack of situational awareness or do you think it was kind of an overabundance of hubris like Miami was still trying to score points to maybe not make it appear as like as close as it was against Georgia Tech. I think it's a lack of situational awareness because what's another like five or 10 rush yards going to show in the stat sheet? Like it's not going to make a difference. There's there was like what 30 some seconds left that Georgia Tech had to score. So like like if you're Miami, like they walked down there, they did not play their best game at home. They had a clear position where they could get out of there with a win. Uh, they didn't take it. So, you know, they're going to have to deal with that. Um, another top there, we get a top 10 team going down Notre Dame at Louisville. Louisville was really mm-hmm. dominant in that one, especially in the second half. Uh, Jeff Brom's doing a great job down there. Uh, they, they're kind of like Colorado where they have tons of transfers on their roster. Uh, yeah. So they had a big game. Uh, Ole Miss survived against Arkansas at home. That was a close one. Uh, Georgia and Michigan dominated. I don't think we need to talk about that. Florida State dominated. Uh, and then, you know, Bama got just barely beat Texas A&M 26 to 20. We saw a top 13 team go down. Number 13, Washington State lost at UCLA. Uh, future Big Ten member, so that was a interesting game. We talked about Oklahoma, Texas, LSU, and Missouri was close. That game was back and forth, uh, really yep. exciting. And then had a, had a turnover towards the end of the game uh, for LSU, so that ended up being forty nine thirty nine. But it was really a lot closer than than what it was, and it was one of those games I had on the same time as like the Red River rivalry, and it was kind of going back and forth between that and also the last game on my list. Ohio State, Maryland. Now, final score was Ohio State 37, Maryland 17, but it wasn't always that close. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Ohio State, Maryland game since we are playing them not this week, but the following week? Well, the first impression that I had watching that game was that Maryland came to play. Like they, they came into that game, you know, wanting to take their shots. And I thought that they executed their game plan 
very well to start to start the game off. Uh, really seemed like they wanted to force Kyle McCord uh, to beat them as opposed to giving up the run. Now, Ohio State was without Trevion Henderson, so they weren't at full strength at the running back spot. But Ohio State was, uh, you know, having a lot of difficulty running the ball, like only getting like maybe like one or two yards here and there. But, uh, you know, it, it was strange because it almost kind of reminded me a little bit of like watching Penn State at times, like just kind of trying and trying and trying again to run the ball and like establish that run and stuff like that. Um, but it was like once Ohio State kind of got their hooks into the passing game and uh, started finding guys in space and, um, you know, Kyle McCord wasn't like overthrowing guys at times like Ohio State turned out to be just fine. Um, I think, uh, you know, another thing too, is that Talia Tagovailoa, he, he is like such a roller coaster ride for Maryland because he makes some amazing plays, but then he also has some very head scratching turnovers. So I, you know, I think that, um, you know, he gives that offense kind of an edge, um, where they can really almost score against anybody. Uh, but I think it's that lack of consistency that, uh, you know, kind of limits them at times, but yeah, overall, I mean, it, it, it's kind of crazy to, when you look at the final score to know that that game was tied at halftime, which that's like another, <laughs> like another thing that we're talking about, like, you know, Miami and Georgia tech and stuff like that. Uh, Maryland had the chance and like, we're very much looking like they were going to score more points at the end of that half. But Talia threw the ball in the middle, like with something like five seconds to go or something like that. They couldn't get the ball up to like snap it. So the half ended and the, and the game was tied. Like that's the kind of situational awareness that you were just talking about. Like it's, you know, it's those, it's those little things that end up mattering a whole bunch against teams like Ohio state. Yeah. And that's like, kind of like the golden role in sport is like, don't beat yourself, make the other team do something good to beat you. And that's something that I think, you know, Penn State has done a really good job of is not beating themselves uh, because you look at how they play, you know, Illinois, Northwestern, things didn't go great, but they didn't beat themselves. They would punt the ball and then, you know, hope the defense can get a stop, which which they did. So, you know, very fortunate to have the defense kind of really be on fire the past month or so. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a yeah, that situational awareness. I think coach does a, a really nice job coaching upper guys. And I think they do uh, a really good job in the game overall. So, you know, kudos to coach Franklin. I don't think we praise him enough uh, as a fan base. So very glad that we're not doing those, uh, those type of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so here's like another fun little uh, other football team news bit. So uh all the updates from our friends over in Pittsburgh just keep on coming. Do you did you see the latest development in their uh, quarterback situation that does not involve uh, Christian Veyu starting this week? Oh, it do- oh, there's more drama. I thought it was Christian Veyu is starting. Like Pat Narduzzi, so, man, is there is there anyone who brings <laughs> more drama to a football program? At this point, maybe Mario Cristobal, but uh, you know he's right up there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think even so, Pat Narduzzi's uh, pro style offense knows how to take a knee, right? Yeah, that that real <laughs> offense. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure even even they would know that. Like, hey, we can't, you know, like, and it's just like, and the score is like so is close enough that 
you know, the worst case scenario actually happened, like even if there was a 1% chance. But anyway, so yeah, the latest out of Pittsburgh is not only is Christian Veyu, uh going to be getting the start at quarterback, apparently um, their starting quarterback for the first half of the season, uh, Phil Dracovic, is moving to tight end. So not <laughs> only, yeah, so their, their quarterback, their number one quarterback to start the year, who has started five games for them, is in the middle of this season switching his position and has already started like practicing at that position. Like is I cannot doing think like of another lion like Tommy Stevens. Is that what they're doing? I have, I have no is idea. Because... Is he stealing our, our, is stealing our offense? Yeah. Maybe he's realizing that simplicity is the way to go since, you know, we're just a bunch of, uh, you know, one word, uh, communicators out here in happy Valley. But uh, yeah, so I don't know exactly like what he envisions uh, for this role. Um, Pittsburgh already has like a pretty solid group of tight ends um, as it is. So it's just like I can't think of another situation like now or in the past where, you know, sure, you see certain players like switch their positions, but normally that's like an off season. Like, you know, you have those con- kinds of conversations immediately following a season and that stuff comes out during spring ball sort of thing. Like you never see this happen in the middle of a season, especially with your starting quarterback who led your offense for the first half of the season. Like this is unprecedented and it's, it's crazy. And like, I want to, I'm actually genuinely curious to see how this works out because one, I, I think it'd be it would be like mind bending to see Christian Veyu start to throw passes to Phil Dracovic, you know, the former backup to the former starter and stuff like that. But also like, I just, I mean, at this point it just seems like he's like throwing spaghetti at the wall, like with this season. <laughs> Dude, this is, you know, watch Pitt win the ACC. No, I'm just, I'm just asking with you. This is going to go terribly. Like you just know this is spiraling and I think he's just, kind of throwing random stuff out there just to try not not to lose his job like i i because i don't know if you're a pit fan do you want this like you know i don't know like he won the acc a couple years ago but then like you know he does not pick it in jordan addison like they can't do anything yeah exactly and you know that's been really the the main theme that i see uh among like the criticisms from fans is that Like they won the ACC and I guess, you know, for whatever reasons, they just decided to dial it back, you know, because during that season they were pass heavy, they were dynamic, they were, you know, throwing the ball out in space. And then all of a sudden they just like went back to this like primitive offense and, you know, things haven't been the same since. But yeah, on your, on your question about like whether or not fans would even want this, you know, if I'm thinking about this, like even from a coaching staff perspective, why would I want to like put my guy who now is kind of the inherent backup in harm's way by like making him a pass catcher, you know, because if, if God forbid, if like Christian gets hurt at some point in the second half of the season, like who's next up, man, that's a, a dumpster fire, man. I'm glad, glad we're not pit fans. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, all right. So I think that's, uh, all I have for other teams. Um, Obviously, we have uh, a game preview for this episode, but some football team news that uh, came out today from James Franklin's uh, press conference. Uh, Looks like 
we will definitely have Trey Wallace back for this game against UMass, which is great because he's missed uh, the last couple of weeks uh, with an undisclosed injury, probably something lower body, uh, just based on the way that Franklin has described it. Um, JB Nelson's status, the offensive guard, his status has not changed based on what Franklin has shared. Um, but, you know, I think it's a pretty safe bet to say that we're not going to see him in this game or anytime soon for that matter. Um, Penn State, Ohio State is officially a noon kickoff, which we pretty much already knew, but I think we can both just kind of reiterate that we hate it. Um, oh, I, I, and, got, uh, I got a fun story with that, too. Okay, go for it. Uh, so so one of my friends in, in the cycling club, uh, she signed up for, for a half Ironman in, in North Carolina on the same day as the Ohio State game. So it was actually a, a Saturday race. <laughs> And she just wasn't even thinking of it because like for these things, you sign up for like almost like a year in advance. And she wasn't even thinking like, oh, it'll be the Ohio State football weekend because she's like she's a big Penn State fan. Uh, super good biker. Like she keeps up with our like all of our fastest guys in our group, like no sweat, no problem. Like so really talented cyclist. And um, yeah, so she said her husband's like, hey, the the. uh it's big, probably going to be a big noon kickoff. So he's like, well, if you want, if you want me to see you at the finish line, like you got to finish under under five hours, which is pretty, pretty hard yeah. to do. So, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, you guys just got married like two months ago. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was fun to uh, make some jokes. And she's like, well, I just got to go five hours, I guess. So we can both catch the Penn State game. So, you know, uh, that'll be her, her motivation while she's out there uh, on the course. So uh, good luck, Kristen. Hope you do well. Hope you're listening and uh, hope Shout you guys out. both catch the, the game in time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But we yeah, need all hands on deck yeah. for that one. Yeah. But uh, all in all, screw big, screw big noon kickoff. It's like the worst thing in, in all of like sports. Like, I think I might even hate the big noon kickoff more than like the Amazon prime video or like games being on Peacock or, or whatever. Like <laughs> that might even like top the, like, that's like the top of like, you know, how Barstool does like, the like top three podiums for like power rankings and for all the different categories. Like I think big noon kickoff is like the worst. Yeah, fair enough. So we know where rent stands, but yeah, I, I think it sucks <laughs> because it takes like these really, really great matchups and uh, forces them into a 12 o'clock slot, which probably, I mean, I, I've never played in a noon game or any college football game for that matter, but uh, I imagine players, hate noon games uh relative to other starting times uh it sucks for the fans um and i also believe that like even even though fox tries to market the crap out of it i mean their ratings can't be as good as if like these games were in a prime time slot but you know they're kind of slaves to the matchups that they have and the tv schedules and like all the major networks and stuff like that so whatever so we'll roll with the punches but um so here's uh some other thing that we definitely should talk about here and um you know, this happened like right after we recorded our last slew of podcasts and stuff. Um, the Big Ten released their schedules for the 2024 and the 2025 football seasons. So Penn State officially, um, you know, has their new schedule for 2024, um, features a loaded home slate. However, um, even after this most recent round of shuffling and additions, Penn State is still the only team in the conference without a protected matchup. 
Uh, so what are your thoughts on the new schedule? And do you are you upset that Penn State doesn't have a protected matchup? Or are you fine with it? I'm upset, man. We have so many good rivalries with so many of these different teams. Like you could have USC. You could have Ohio State. You could have Michigan. You could have Michigan State. Like so many good teams, like even like Iowa or like Maryland, like you could even have have those as like protected rivalries. But I don't know why they won't do it. Like it's uh, baffling to me. Now I saw the list of uh, like home and away opponents. So do like all these other teams have between one and three protected matchups, or has that changed? No, yeah, it that's that's still the case. So I didn't study the protected matchups for this most recent update as closely as I did uh, back in the summer or in the early summer. But yeah, Penn State is still the only team in the conference now, uh, even still with the addition of Oregon and Washington, that does not have a protected matchup. So even Oregon and Washington are going to play the, play each other. USC and UCLA are going to play each other in all the, uh, you know, kind of the classic, but also the newer additions of rivalry games in the Big Ten are going to be playing each other with the exception of arguably, you know, Penn State versus anybody, but especially in my opinion, Michigan State, since we have the land grant trophy and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I would really love to know kind of the backstory behind like how that happened, like the decisions that were made, like at the administration level of the Big Ten. Um, you know, and, and at this point, like it almost seems like maybe this also was due to like some input from Penn State because to be the only team in this now massive conference that doesn't have this thing like it almost seems deliberate from from like the school's perspective yeah and I love geographic rivalries especially like I like playing Pitt I have a great time with it um I thought West Virginia was fun they're an old rival I think it would be fun if we played Syracuse more often because they're they're another good old rival too and maryland's in the big 10 now so we, we play them obviously but yeah it's kind of weird that they're they have an opportunity for these protected matchups so that way uh one you not only have some good rivals but you know two you have some close ge- geographic rivals so teams aren't having to you know fly across the country every week like you, you like being a student athlete is like not as easy as people make it out to be like being a student athlete is hard and just doing all that travel in the the midst of your uh, semester can be really difficult. So really surprising. They didn't like, you know, keep that around, but maybe Penn state wants to do this market, this unrivaled thing um, and try to make Which itself more I like, think a Notre so, Dame or yeah. like an independent almost like, but yeah, I, I think, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it's too like, avoid playing Ohio state every year. Like, and they think that makes, gives them, gives them a better chance to make the college football playoff and compete for a national championship because let's face it, Ohio state's been the reason we haven't made the college football playoff, you know, for, for some, the past several years. So maybe they're saying, Hey, like we want to get away from that. That way we're not playing Ohio state every single year. And maybe they, th- they think that'll make them more competitive in terms of a national, uh, landscape, uh, you know, theme because uh, coach even in his conference today was saying that some schools in the Big Ten, he wouldn't name names that are buying out of some of these rivalry games. I know one off the top of my head was uh, Indiana 
canceled their last two games of Louisville. Um, and they were like losing like a million dollars, I think, or something higher than that amount. So that kind of baffled me. But I think you're seeing some teams trend that way due to the, the more competitive schedule. Yeah, which I think there's definitely the possibility of that. So a couple things there that I want to react to. So, you know, number one, I definitely think it's possible that, you know, it was kind of requested this way by Penn State to not play Ohio State and Michigan every year, which to that I say, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> because, I hate it too. You know, like you like, you like these are like these are the true these are the measuring sticks of the Big Ten right now. Like we keep saying that we want to be elite, we want to play with the big boys, and we want to compete for these national championships. Well, guess what? The first stepping stone to get to that final point is through these teams. And until you figure out how to navigate these two teams, or at least put yourself in a position to get into the playoff field with these teams by beating at least one of them, like to me, we don't really have much of a leg to stand on to like, you know, complain about not being in the college football playoff. So from like a competitive aspect, I want to beat those teams. But, um, you know, what I will say is it adds like um, like a lot of flexibility or at least more flexibility to their schedule that other Big Ten teams don't have right now. You know, in my mind, when I was thinking about this a little bit earlier, it's almost like Penn State before they joined the Big Ten in what was it like 92, 93 or whatever, like they could they'll have their slew of teams that they could play. I mean, granted, like they're going to be playing big 10 teams every year, but those big 10 teams are, you know, likely going to change like just about every year. Um, so it, it's almost like we're becoming almost like Notre Dame where it's like Notre Dame is going to schedule a bunch of ACC teams on their schedule, but they're still an independent. Like our schedule will kind of reflect more of that than like one of like a traditional conference team in a way, at least in my opinion. Yeah. And, um, but like, here, maybe here's devil's advocate to like Penn State wanting to not have a protected matchup. Um, you have, you, let's say it's Ohio State and Michigan, and you play those two teams every single year, and like or like even Michigan State. Let's like add that because three is the most you can have. Uh, imagine a, a slate where you play Michigan, Ohio State. And then in the same year, you get like USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon. You could get um, like Wisconsin. Like that would be like ranked games like every single week. And you just saw Notre Dame. They're already two games below right now, two losses on the season, and they're only halfway through. Um, so to play devil's advocate, would, would that concern you? Just because if you have Michigan, Ohio State every year, you're, you're still going to get some of those big matchups, uh, you know, to take that place. So do you think that Penn State's maybe trying to avoid these like stacked schedules? Like we even saw Michigan had a brutal schedule. They play like almost all the top teams and then they have Texas and non-conference. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's almost good to just avoid the like stacked matchups? Because, you know, you're going to get good games every year. Like it's unavoidable, but do you think yeah. that this is a good strategy I mean, especially, that Penn State's using? Uh, yeah, I mean, especially since they added the four teams that they did to the conference, I'm not even saying that their protected matchup should be Ohio State or Michigan. Personally, my vote would be for Michigan State. So I'm not even saying that like they have to schedule like one of these top teams every year. But, you know, I my my like my argument was that 
if your avoidance of a of a protected matchup was so that you didn't have to play these teams that's kind of the you know the chicken crap way out of you know your past the college football playoff like if they're put in front of you you should try and like go through them to get to your goals if they appear on our schedule like then that that's great i'm not even saying that like our protected matchup should be against them i'm just i just find it kind of odd that you know penn state would be in a position where they're the only team now in this what is like the largest or tied for the largest conference in the country um, that doesn't have a protected matchup like at all, like point blank period. So that's, that's kind of my, my thing. I mean, it could even, it could be Rutgers. It could be Maryland. It could be Michigan state. Like we have some like close geographical um, like rivalry type games that don't step on the toes of like one of the more established ones, like Ohio state, Michigan, you know what I mean? Yeah, try to get like all the worst teams, get like Indiana, Rutgers, and like Northwestern or something. <laughs> try to create exactly. like, the, the worst, the worst schedule possible each year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, we'll just we'll just go like we'll go eleven and one guaranteed every year. Yeah, right. Um, uh, so that that'd be interesting. So for twenty twenty four, we got some uh, home games are exciting. We got Illinois, mm-hmm. Maryland close rival Ohio state close rival UCLA is coming in from Los Angeles. And then you got Washington coming in. Um, what do you, what do you think is going to be the whiteout there? What, what's going to be the whiteout I, game that, that I, for me, I want it to be against one of the two new additions like Ohio state. We've given that treatment to them so many times now. Uh, Washington, like, I don't think, um, Give me, give me UCLA. Like, I think like, you know, they're, they, I mean, both of these teams are kind of on the up and up, uh, Washington, especially right now looks amazing. Um, yeah, give me, give me like UCLA, like, uh, like we've been talking about, like giving USC, like, uh, like a late season whiteout experience, something in like November or something like that. Give me UCLA in November with the whiteout and let's, let's make that place rock. Yeah. So my, my kind of theory with this is Ohio State's going to be a noon game because like Fox it always is, is now for some reason yeah yeah so like some reason that seems to be a trend and the the whiteout you gotta have it at night it's just a, a different experience uh, I think it's gonna be Washington I think uh coach Franklin is gonna have a little bit of input here his his wife is a Washington State alum when they played in the oh, Fiesta Bowl and he he's like, yes. Yeah. So he he's like, my wife said, if you, if you don't beat Washington, don't come home that night. Like, Oh, <laughs> nice. So he was highly motivated. So yeah, I think, I, didn't know uh, I think coach to try to keep, keep the wife happy, I think is going to try to make that Washington game, the white house. So that's going to be my, my bold prediction kind of with, without knowing when everyone's playing and the big noon kickoffs mm-hmm. and, and things of that nature. So. Yeah, my money's on Washington. Cool. Now, if Ohio State's a, a, a like a night game, or even maybe a three thirty, if it's like late in the season, I think, I think they could swing a whiteout. But I think just based off of the couple, past couple of years, like it's it's probably going to be Washington with a night game. Yeah, no, I'd be happy with either one of those two teams. Uh, you know, I'm. Like I said last year, like I don't mind spreading the whiteout love to different teams. Like I want, I want the legend of this thing to spread. So give me one of those two teams and I'll be happy. But yeah, yeah I mean, uh, we also have a, an away trip to USC. Uh, you want to, you want to go to LA 
yeah. next season. Yes, that would be so much. Dude, I, I love Los Angeles. Like if it's a November game, like get me out there. Get me some yeah. sun. Uh, I'm definitely team heat. Uh, so away matchups, some, some pretty tough ones. Uh, got at Minnesota last time we played there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, didn't come out with the W, so that could be a, a tough game. Uh, even though they haven't been doing quite as well this season. Uh, Purdue, they lost lost Jeff Brom and haven't been having the best year. But, you know, last time when we played there last year, it was uh, really it was like a 38 to 35 win or something of that nature. Really close game. USC, the Trojans. Will they have Caleb Williams on, on his NIL deal? I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, that could be a good game. And then Wisconsin, Camp Randall Stadium. They're they're going to be jumping around. They'll be they'll be loud. So that'll be a, a good game as well. We haven't played Wisconsin in a long time. Like I feel like we haven't played them since like the, that uh, year after the Big Ten championship. We played them first we played week of the them, season. No, we we played them in the first week of twenty one. Okay, so that was okay. COVID just messes up all the years and when it's together. Because I remember it was Labor Day and we were watching that game at your house, your parents' house, Correct. and that was a wild game and. Yeah, so that was that must have been okay. So that was twenty twenty. It just feels like forever ago. Yeah, it does. You're right, but I don't think we've played them like in between those like five years, like when Penn State won the Big Ten to like twenty twenty one. Correct. Am I right? Yeah. There? Well, actually, okay. we we played them. We played them in twenty eighteen. That was like the last game of that season. Um, but yeah, there there's definitely been some gaps, you know, just with them being in the West and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. So. Um, yeah. And then home opponents, 25, we got Indiana, Nebraska, Northwestern, Oregon. I think that one's a more favorable home games, 26. Uh, you got Minnesota, Purdue, Rutgers, USC, Wisconsin. So I think USC is the big one there. So I think next year is probably going to be the toughest. Uh, and then 28's rough. You got, uh, Indiana is not bad, but Iowa, Ohio state, Oregon, UCLA, those are all, all tough games. Uh, so which, which of those five years do you think is the hardest? Honestly, I think next year, like the way that all these teams are lined up, um, you know, I, I think that next year has, has the potential to be really, really tough. Yeah, it does. Um, for me, yeah, I think I'm going to roll with you there. Cause I think Ohio state, UCLA, Washington's tough. Maryland, for some reason plays better at Beaver stadium than their place. So that's always tough. Mm-hmm. You had Illinois with that nine overtime game. Iowa, Iowa, 28 is going to be rough too. like Indiana, Iowa, Ohio State, Oregon, UCLA, like it, Indiana. That's like so far game. away, though, that it's like, yeah, things I can guess, change. But it's like those. Yeah, because I mean, like Indiana was awesome a couple of years ago. Now look at them. Yeah. And in terms of uh, Michigan, we only play them. We don't play them for the next two years. Isn't that going to be weird? It's going to be very weird. Yeah, because, I mean, this is, I mean, it's, uh, you know, just a a tearaway of what we've come to expect with the Big Ten and Penn State football season. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be culture shock for sure. Yeah. All right. Moving on to road trips. So, all right. So we said 24. Not too bad. 25. Got Iowa, Michigan State, Ohio State, Rutgers, UCLA. That's three pretty tough games. And then Michigan State mm-hmm. is always kind of iffy. You don't know what you're getting from them. And 26, you got um, Maryland, Michigan, Northwestern, Washington. I think that's pretty rough. 
Uh, it's 27. You got Illinois, Indiana, Oregon, Purdue, Wisconsin. Uh, not too bad there. And then 28, you got uh, Michigan State, Nebraska, Rutgers, USC. So not too bad there either. I feel like I feel like we either have a tough home slate or a tough away slate, but I don't feel like we get both at the same time. Are you kind of in agree- agreement there? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's definitely skewed one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be like really interesting. Whereas our current schedule, we would always have Ohio State or Michigan at home. One of them would always be on the road. One of them would always be home. So it is going to be interesting. Like maybe Penn State will have some more rough years and maybe they'll do better in those years that they have. They have those tough opponents at home. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see. I think uh, 25 is going to be rough uh, playing Kinnick's tough then you got the big our ohio state and the shoe ucla michigan state that voodoo magic there that they have and then Rutgers isn't quite as bad so i think that's probably the the toughest road trip are, are you in agreement there yeah probably um yeah i think you know just generally if we're trying to say what's the toughest uh you have to look at them through the lens of like right now and what they might be it like within one to two years. So yeah, I'd probably put my money on that year as well. Okay. Yeah. And then also, uh, I think Wisconsin's a tough place to play. So they're the, in the newest, mm-hmm. I feel like we play Wisconsin and USC. That's going to be a tough year. And oh, Wisconsin and Oregon, that uh, could be, you know, a tough double. And so, you know, time will tell, um, any, uh, any uh, new new schedule things you want to talk about? I, I kind of have a hot take. So I, I want to, I want you to have a chance to say anything and I'll do my my hot take if you have anything to, to add on there. <laughs> no, I, I think I'm good. Uh, hit me with your take. All right. So my hot take, um, we added U- USC UCLA. Pretty much got a schedule all set up. Everything's great. Like two weeks later. They add Washington, Oregon, get a schedule all set. So I'm saying in two weeks, I'm just saying, you know, F it. Let's add Washington State. Let's add Oregon State. Uh, Washington and Oregon State are both in the the top 15. They only have one loss. That strengthens the conference. And I think you could actually almost do like two big tents. Like Big Ten East and Big Ten West, perhaps. Big yeah, and then and then you play all everyone plays the same ten teams, and then the best yeah. team for me is I get to compete in the the championship. Sounds what, oddly what like what we have right now, <laughs> right? But and no, then we're I, just gonna circle yeah. back, circle, and then like, and then we'll have a schedule, and then yeah, I I I think that would be just kind of hysterical to have like, I don't know, the schedule change for like the third time over the course of a year. <laughs> And then lo and behold, we play Ohio State and Michigan again every year. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I think that could be interesting because you could actually theoretically have like the original Big Ten and then Penn State could, could play like, you know, all those six pack pack 12 teams in addition to Nebraska, Maryland Rutgers. Mm. So yeah. what do you think that how do you I think that's good? I think that would be like really interesting, like. Obviously, it would like suck not playing Ohio State and like Michigan every year, but it'd be I don't know. Do you think it would be refreshing or uh, what? What are your thoughts on that? 
my my kind yeah, of insanity I mean, it, here. I mean, at this point, I mean, I think I I don't think that you're far off by saying that the Big Ten isn't done, uh, and I, I don't think that they're they're done adding teams. They're you know releasing these schedules and playing with the hand that they're dealt right now, but they're always trying to add to that hand. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that it's impossible that the big 10 has spoken to both of those two teams, considering that they're the two last, like, you know, I don't want to call them stragglers, but maybe we'll call them survivors of the, of the PAC 12 conference. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. I think, I think the expansion stuff though, I think is probably going to be put on hold until, uh, the end of the season now at this point if i had to guess or at least like kind of the public announcement of them um but i, I like your i like your symmetry here by saying that you know you're, you're calling your shot even like with the with the time frame and everything so the clock is ticking here so you've got like probably like what a week to make this happen yeah maybe like two weeks or maybe we'll say halloween by halloween like okay. we add like Washington state and uh, Oregon state. And also like, you know, Washington gets to bring, it's so, like USC and UCLA brought their biggest rival, you know, to us. And that Washington gets to have their biggest rival and Oregon gets to have their biggest rival. So I think mm-hmm. it's a win for like Washington and Oregon. They get to keep it. And then it's like, you have like the West coast and then you have like all of the big cities of like the Midwest and, and the Northeast mid-atlantic area or i'll say mid-atlantic um so i think it's a i think that's not a terrible way to you know because those those two teams they have to go somewhere like financially Mm -hmm. they're just not going to survive or unless they become a maybe they'll be like notre dame and just play random teams and yeah i I don't know yeah but like and you know what's an interesting addition of that too is that you also get to potentially keep some of those in-state rivalry games too because the don't um because then you'll have like you know Oregon and Oregon State don't they play in like the Egg Bowl is that like what they call their thing and I'm pretty sure Washington um, Washington egg- State um so I think that the Egg Bowl is Missis Ole Miss Mississippi State but I okay. do know that they have they have a a rivalry game or some trophy of some sort for sure right Here, I'll, I'll 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 look it up but uh, real quick. Because I do okay. the Egg Bowl that's played on Thanksgiving between Ole Miss and uh, Mississippi State. So I see. Okay, I'll look that up quick, and you can you can talk. Oh wait, God, oh, I can't believe I forgot this one. Like I feel like the biggest idiot. So it, it makes no sense, but it's actually called the Civil War. Oh really? For Oregon yes. and Oregon State. Yeah, I thought that was Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Oh no no! I I knew that I I definitely have seen that before. Um, okay, so it's, it's an American. Okay, I'm gonna scroll down and see if there's any history here. The game was first played in 1894, and it has been contested 122 times. The first reference to the Civil War name was in 1929 and came into common use in 1937. Prior to that, it was called the Oregon Classic or State Championship game. Usage of the Civil War name was discontinued in 2020. Oh, I guess it's not called that anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> officially, quote unquote. But yeah, so yeah, it was the, the Civil way, War. 
Well, I'm like, none of those, none of those states, like Oregon was not involved in like the civil war at all. So I'm like, what, what, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So, you know, going back though, to my point is that you have the potential then to still have these games, which their fan bases care about a lot. It's part of, you know, what is a crazy week of, you know, uh, rivalry games in college football and like that last week of the season, which I mean, I guess they could like still schedule around it if they want to. But I think, you know, there's definitely some interest for the Big Ten to have those like live within the Big Ten. But either way, I'm, I'm in total, total agreement with you there, although I'm sure Penn State will be the only team that has no protected matchups. And then we just, oh, yeah, we'll just be mean, playing some course. random team. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. Like, it, it it's gonna yeah I mean they're they're gonna be like they're gonna be like Notre Dame in the ACC which I mean it's not bad I mean there's there's definitely some positives to it it's just it's just a strange like island to live on you know what I mean just that they're the only one but you know regardless of how that turned out and like who made those decisions uh you know we'll be we'll be watching regardless. Yeah, sounds good. All right, but uh, enough of the Big Ten ex- expansion talk. Uh, we probably should get into UMass because this is our UMass episode, and we're yeah. we're fifty four minutes in and haven't talked a look about UMass. So, uh, yep. Uh, what do you got for for this team coming up? What does Penn State need to watch out for uh, with UMass? Yeah. So, initial thoughts here. Um, you know, I think it's not really unfair to say that there's a pretty sizable talent gap between the two teams. I mean, UMass is one in six. Uh, they've given up at least 40 points in five of those seven games. Um, in the games that, uh, you know, they did play a uh, competition that could be kind of on a similar playing field to Penn state in Auburn. Uh, they got, they got crushed. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, UMass is really up against it uh, with Penn State. I mean, even though Penn State hasn't exactly like blown the door open as far as like an explosive offense, like their offense is very well balanced. They protect the football. They don't, you know, they they're really really um, fast on the attack on defense. So, you know, I think Penn State just has the advantage pretty much across the board. Um, you know, I think for Penn State, uh, just looking into this game. I think the number one priority here is just to get everybody out of this one healthy. I mean, this is the second and the tougher half of the season coming out of the bye. Uh, we need all hands on deck for, you know, the obvious one and two matchups against Ohio state and Michigan. You could flip flop either of those games, any which way you like, but Penn state still has some very tough games um, on the schedule against teams like Maryland who, you know, gave Ohio state a run for their money through, you know, two and most of like a third quarter and stuff like that. Um, so we need everybody to just be healthy, have fresh legs and stuff like that. Um, you know, for me, I'm really just looking for the defense, just go and do their thing. Like Penn State's going to do their rotation. They're going to get a bunch of guys in there and get their reps. Uh, we're probably going to see some red shirts burned and stuff like that, which is, is fine. Like this is the game like where you'd expect Franklin and crew to do this sort of thing. So I fully expect, uh, to see it probably even starting in like the second defensive series. Like we're going to see more of like Adisa Isaac and like Dom DeLuca and, uh, like Tyler Ellsden and, uh, Cam Miller and, you know, a whole host of other names that we've seen, um, at spots during at points in the season. So I don't really need to see much out of the defense to know like what they're about They're To me, they're kind of a known quantity. We know that they're awesome. 
But from the offensive perspective, for me, this is kind of like the dress rehearsal for Ohio State. And like, you know, I'm not even saying that like they need to go out there and score 70 points. But I want to see a progression from what we saw against Northwestern and kind of the narrative and the quotes that have come out from the team since then. Because, you know, the big thing that was kind of talked about after the game against Northwestern was Penn State couldn't run the ball against them, even though this was a pretty porous uh, rushing defense. Like Nick Singleton, like the first point of contact on him was within like one yard of the line of scrimmage and stuff like that. Like Penn State just couldn't get a push. So you know that these defenses going forward are not going to be any easier. In fact, they're basically going from like zero to a hundred with some of these teams. So in this game, all I just, all I want to see is like signs of improvement, you know, just get that push, open up that lane so that Nick Singleton and, you know, Catron Allen, which I mean, I think we can both say we probably don't want to see a lot of in this game because of uh, his undisclosed injury. Yeah. Against, uh, I don't even even want to see Trey Wallace, like rest him. Oh, wow. Let that hamstring, let that hamstring get better for another week. Like, Oh, did he tweak it? Well, no, he tweaked it. Like what? Like a week ago. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. Okay. Or or it might've been like, Oh, Trey Wallace. Oh, I thought, I thought we were talking about Trey Potts. My bad. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. So I I was like, it's UMass, like no use in getting him hurt. Like you can win without him. But so, yeah, but for like Nick, you know, get the push, open up the lane, let him breathe for like the first time this season and just let him stretch his legs, metaphorically speaking, you know? So like, just go out there and show that this team is capable of doing this because either way, like no matter how this game ends up this week, like if Penn state maybe has like points, like where they struggle with the run or whatnot, like I'm still going into next week thinking that Penn state has a very realistic chance to go to Ohio state and beat them. But I'm going to feel a lot better about that game. If I see that improvement, because you know, it's like everybody knew coming out of that game, they saw it with their eyes and like, Yurisich said, you know, we know it's an issue that we like have to get sorted out. Drew has come out and said, you know, people kind of uh, don't really know how close we are to breaking things open and stuff like that. It's like you've had two weeks to kind of prepare here to get healthy, to get refreshed and kind of reset. You're going up against an opponent that you can score, score on in a, you know, a multitude of different ways. Like go out there and do it. You know, like this is, you know, just get your mind right. uh, Execute sharply coming out of your break and uh, just get ready for, you know, kind of the gauntlet that is the kind of the tail end of this season. So what about you, Vince? Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so defense, not very good. I expect Penn State to really run the ball a lot, and especially with the the weather looking to be kind of wet. You just want to take care of the football and, and get out of this one with the W. So I, I think that'll be good. I think it'll also give the offensive linemen repetitions doing better getting a push like you talked about so that's big things i'm looking for offensively defensively uh, i'm just looking for everyone to you know be really disciplined be in their lane do their jobs uh statistically this is the the most explosive offense penn state has uh played this year uh crazily enough yeah good, yeah crazy enough uh, they have a pretty good running back. Uh, we got Katron. They got Kron Lynch Adams. He's a transfer from Rutgers, uh, doing really good running the football this year. So he's had a lot of explosive plays. He averaged about eight yards of carry against Toledo. And then you had uh, Simpson, the wide receiver, highly talented, 
um, averaging 17 yards a catch. Just last game, he had uh, seven receptions for 140 yards against Toledo. So definitely a deep threat there. Uh, the quarterback, Coach Franklin, uh, you know, talked about trying to recruit him in high school. Uh, Tayson Foman, Fomanchin, uh, probably butchering, it, butchering his name there. But um, yeah, so he's been talked about a lot by Coach. So the, the offense, I think, is... Uh, it's a, it's a good test for the defense for Ohio state because that's what Ohio state does. Uh, you watch them play against Maryland. They, they really struggled and then bam, Marvin Harrison jr. Big explosive play. So I think this will be a good kind of toned down version of that. Um, I think it might be, you might not get quite as good of an evaluation because it is going to be a lot harder to throw the ball deep. Uh, this team does a lot of RPO. So I think as long as everyone's, being disciplined and staying in their gaps and tackling, which we haven't always done. Uh, I think this will be a really good defensive performance. And I, I expect to keep the, the, the minute men to a, a very low number of points. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, when you just look at the level of competition that UMass has played so far, I mean, this is going to be the, the best defense that they'll play all season. Um, you know, even, even with Lynch Adams, I mean, he, the guy, the guy's awesome. He's averaging over five yards a carry. Um, you know, he's, he's busted open a couple of, uh, of long ones. Um, and you know what, what, what you just mentioned as well, like with this being like an explosive offense. So, um, yeah, UMass, I saw an interesting little, uh, stat line here. They have the second highest number of plays of over 50 yards or more with eight. So out of all of college football, like that's where they sit. So, you know, that's just, uh, so, you know, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk for the defense, but there's definitely going to be moments like where they're going to have to, you know, flex their athleticism a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So again, going to be a a big discipline game, especially with that RPO action. You just got to maintain your gap. Everyone's got to do their job and not try to be a hero because, uh, you know, the eye candy, you know, you want to get, get the tackle. Everyone wants to get the tackle, but as long as everyone's in their gaps, they'll, they'll be all right. Right. Uh, so you, uh, want to do some, cause I think we covered like guys that were watching on UMass's side and, um, do you have any guys on Penn state side that you're looking for things for, or is it just kind of more of like a team effort? Like everybody just do your job. I'm looking at, at the offensive line for sure. Like, that's the number one group where I'm like, Hey, we got to get it together. Like agreed. You know, that, that performance against Northwestern was very poor. Um, you're not going to win many games in the big 10 playing like that. Uh, you know, unless you have a star set of defense, uh, like Penn state. So, uh, I'm looking mm-hmm. for, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm just looking for them to be tough and it's, I feel like I, we're almost reverting back to last year where it's like, Oh, coach Franklin says this is the year. Like they're going to be the best, like strength of the team. And yeah. you know, last year it actually happened. And now I feel like we're kind of starting to see the line regress. And especially without having JB Nelson available for this game, I think that's going to be even a bit of a tougher task. So I'm really looking for, for the line to step up because, uh, if they're not good, we're we're not beating Ohio State. That's uh, you know, 
open and shut case. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like even even if we're at home, like that that line is not going to hold up against Michigan either. Like they'll they'll eat up that that those rushing attempts for breakfast, man. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, I'm optimistic. Like usually, usually when Penn State has a poor performance, they they do tend to bounce back. So I think with just the level of competition, like yeah, like Northwestern was the worst rush defense in the Big Ten, but they they're going to be better than UMass. So I think I think yeah. the talent's just just going to take over. Yeah, no, I agree. So uh, um, one little aside that I, I want to mention. So. Obviously, with this being the uh, the homecoming game, uh, Penn State is busting out the generations of greatness uh, uniforms again, which I think is awesome. I think they look so clean. Uh, I saw somebody somebody wrote an article um, on one of the the Penn State uh, football you know publications like blogs, and uh, they posed the question of whether or not. Uh, Penn State should make the Generations of Greatness uniform their full-time home uniform. And the really funny part about this came when somebody shared this on Facebook. And uh, Vince, from our from our own show's past experience with sharing <laughs> such questions about uniforms on Facebook, how well do you think that this question was received? Um. I'm going to say not very well, like the pink and black. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, do it for a game. It'll be fun. It'll be flashy. Like everyone feels fast in the pink and black uniforms and just about all Penn State sports. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's old school for for a reason. They do look very clean. I think maybe you can make a better case for that if maybe it's like a kind of an even number, like the 150th season of Penn State football or like the 200th season of Penn State football, kind of maybe like recycling it. Maybe like kind of like the Eagles do with the Kelly Green, like everyone like likes that. So maybe that's something that can be a fun thing, like every X amount of years. But um, I I like the way they are now. Uh, So I'm sure most people aren't as nice as me in the way they're saying it, but I'm I'm sure they agree. Yeah, no, you're spot on with that. So not only was was the reception, uh, just freezing cold like some of these responses were just straight up like hell no i don't want that like people (laughs) oh man like they you talk about the uniforms and people's like the rabbit ears just prick up man (laughs) like people do not like to mess with the uniform and like i mean it's funny like you said i mean we were just kind of posing the question as like a one game thing you know one game thing to like maybe try and stuff like that. And this person is like, Oh no, scrap like what we, what we have right now, like do the whole thing over from like top to bottom for all of our home uniforms. And I'm like, like I I saw, I saw this post and I saw the number of comments and I just like almost out loud was just like, Oh, you poor soul. Because I know exactly like what kind of reaction like this type of thing gets. But uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, it was, and they, it was they, just are, funny. they already do it for a one game a year anyway. So yeah, it's exactly. Like, yeah, they're already, they're already like kind of paying tribute to the past, like the throwback uniform, and I don't know. It's exactly. just like in, it's like in your head that that music like dumb ways to die, like this <laughs> yeah. pretty much hit the the nail on the head for the coffin. Um, if you watch Coach Franklin's presser, like saying that the guy like he he kind of 
said like made a statement or question about like Drew Aller just like chucking it deep just to show he can do it. And mm-hmm. like and like Franklin's like, are, are you from like Mars? Like it's like so yeah, it was like he was speaking a completely different language and <laughs> I'm I'm sure uh, the Penn State fan base felt the same way. Yeah, no doubt. So all right, uh you want to do some over unders? Yeah, let's do it. Um, we're, we've been going a while, so I, I think we can do a little bit of a, a truncated version. Sure. Um, so for for Penn State, the, the spread is 42 and a half. Are you over or under the spread? I'm under. That is an enormous spread. And Penn State, I mean, here, here's what I'll say. If they wanted to, they could cover this spread. Because when they put a concerted effort into shutting out an opponent and scoring a bunch of points, they do it. Just look at the Iowa game. Like that game mattered to them. They wanted to put a stamp on that game and they wanted to send a message and they did it. But in this game, it's going to be about rotation, getting everybody out of this healthy, everybody executing their job and like doing certain things that are going to be important for them down the stretch, not necessarily putting up like an insurmountable. Well, I mean, it is going to be insurmountable for UMass, but like putting up like a mountain load of points and shutting them out. So no, they're not covering the spread this week. Okay. Uh, over under 49 and a half points for Penn state under. All right. Uh, over under seven and a half for UMass. Over. Over. Uh, yeah. Points are points are coming in the second half, but over. So I don't know. I'll, I'll be the optimistic optimist again. I just, my rule has reversed this season. Uh, I will take the under. All right. All right. So we'll we'll uh, move on through some of our other stats because we are running kind of long today. Moving on to factor yep. fiction. Uh, Penn State will score at least 30 points for the 13th game in a row. Fact. Write it in Sharpie. All right. Um, ooh, this is a good one. Penn State will uh, score in every quarter keeping that streak fact. going. I think it's uh okay. Yeah. I'll also I'll, I'll no, say fact easily. as well. Yeah. I think the the weather might make it maybe challenging for the twos. Uh but I I think think they'll keep it going. All right, fact or fiction. Penn State will continue to give up zero points on defense in the third quarter. Fact. I'll say fact as well. Uh, factor fiction, Penn State will beat the number two team in the nation in explosive plays. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that's a safe fact. Yeah, I'll, I'll say fact as well. I think you might see some big Nick Singleton runs, uh, especially in the rushing attack. Might not see so much in the passing game. Just I, I think the weather is going to be kind of variable there. And and so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say I'll say fact as well, but I think it'll be in the running game. Uh, fact or fiction, Penn State's offense will continue to have zero turnovers. Fact. I'm going to say fact as well. You're just not playing a, a great UMass uh, defense. Uh, I could see maybe the twos. Maybe there was a fumble with like a wet ball or or something like that. I think that there is a possibility for that to happen. You saw that against Northwestern last year and Northwestern hung around. They were they didn't win a game on U.S. soil last year, but. Penn state only got out there with a 17 to seven to win and expecting similar conditions tomorrow or uh, Saturday. So could be, could be interesting. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Um, last one here. Uh, we will see Bo for at least a quarter. Fact. Yeah, maybe maybe not for because uh, I, I think we have the chance to actually see Jackson Smolik for part of this as well. So I don't. So you know, maybe you'll you'll see him for a collective fifteen minutes of football. Is what I'll say. Like yeah, in a I, single stretch. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with that. I think by the end of the third quarter, Penn State should have some things wrapped up. Uh, yeah, this is we actually don't play UMass a lot in terms of history. We've only played them once in uh, 2014 and we won 48 mm-hmm. to seven. Uh, so uh, communion prediction. What what do you got? So this is the week that I think the whole issue of the non-explosive run plays gets put to rest. Um, Bo Perbula will no longer hold the record for the longest run play of this season uh, so far, because I think in my community prediction is that Nick Singleton will have at least three runs of 30 yards or more. I like so, it. three for 30. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Nice and symmetrical. So I'm going to go with a, a fun stat here. So we have, this is the 136th year of Penn state football. So I'm I'm going to triple that number. So you're going with three. So I'm going to add the three in there as well. So I'm going to say we have at least 408 rushing yards. Wow. Okay. You will not see the ball thrown in the air a lot. I think just with the weather, it's going to be a, a grinded, grinded out type game. But I think you're going to see those Nick Singleton explosive runs in there as well. So give me 400, 408 rush yards. I like that we're both optimistic. That is that is a lofty number, man. But I, I hope you're right. Well, uh, looking at their game against Toledo, they gave up a lot against Toledo. How many gave, rushing yards did they give up there? They gave up 375. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So maybe maybe I'm not that crazy. Like, maybe no, our rush yeah. offense is better than Toledo. But we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Very good. Um, so see if that number can hit. That would be a, a big deal. All right. Yep. Final score prediction. What do you got? Yep. So like I said, I think that this is um, a matter of one team just having a huge talent advantage over the other. I think that UMass uh, defensively is not going to be able to contain much of Penn State, even if Penn State, you know, expectedly uh, continues to try and like establish the run up the middle, especially between the two tackles and stuff like that. But, you know, especially like when they get to the outside and stuff, I, I think that Nick Singleton speed is going to shine through. I think that uh, Penn state is going to score in bunches, even with uh, the backups in, in the second half, which, uh, you know, I hope, I hope to God that we see them, you know, a lot sooner than we did against uh, Northwestern. Cause we thought that that game offensively was going to go a little different, but Either way, um, I think Penn State wins this one pretty comfortably on homecoming weekend. I have Penn State winning 48 to 10. That's a good score. Uh, same amount of points to the first matchup. Uh, I have the same amount of points for UMass as the, the first matchup. So you have Penn State. I have UMass. Uh, for my score, I have 42 to 7 Penn State over Northwestern. Uh, I think if this the weather's going to play a big factor. Like I would kind of be leaning closer to like 70 to seven, uh, had 
be like a sunny day, but I just think with the the conditions, I think it's going to make it hard to to throw the ball. So I'm going to go 42-7. I think, you know, it's going to be a relaxing day. You're going to be wet, but you're going to have a good time watching Penn State work down the field. And there might be times where it stalls and the passing game doesn't get going just because of the weather. But overall, uh, you know, I think Penn State's going to get out there uh, pretty comfortably and, and also keep that streak going of uh, winning by at least 14 points. That's that's going to be alive for at least one more week. And uh, we'll see where it goes uh, with the, the Bucks after that. But uh yeah, that's all I got for for this game. Uh, what are some other games that you're excited to watch outside of our game this weekend? Give me one moment to pull them up. Well, so I, first, I think we should start off with game day because this this is my favorite. We got two Big Ten opponents for next year. We got game day, Oregon at Washington and Seattle. Both teams undefeated five and oh, both teams in the top eight. Who you got winning that one in? the battle of future big 10 opponents boy, man, I don't know. This is, this is like strength against strength. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll admit I've watched a little bit more of Oregon than I have of Washington. Uh, so I guess I would probably say I'm more biased, uh, towards Washington. I believe in Washington or uh, in Oregon. Um, I believe in Washington's offense a little bit more, just looking at like the pure statistical numbers. I think that uh, Washington has one of the best, if not the best passing attack right now um, in the country. Michael Penix, uh, just, you know, even if you just look at the box scores, um, he looks like a true Heisman contender. So I think that um, where, where are they at? Are they at Washington? It's in Seattle. Correct. I'll take Washington in this one then. I think that it's going to be such a charged atmosphere. Um, and, you know, Kalen DeBoer, which I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, has done a really great job with that program. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll probably take Washington straight up. Yeah, for me, it's really close. I, I do think overall Oregon is maybe a little bit better of a football mm-hmm. team. I really like their defense. They did a nice job against Colorado. Uh, Washington has been doing really well this year. Uh, They've oftentimes been able to sit their guys after three quarters and get them rest just because offensively they've been putting up so many points. And uh, Michael Penix Jr., former Indiana guy, uh, has been doing really well this year, definitely in the Heisman conversation. So we'll we'll see if he can make some Heisman plays. If this game was in Eugene, I, I think I'd go with Oregon. But since it's in Seattle and their fans are known for like standing the entire game and not sitting and, and being pretty loud. I I think I'm going to give the edge to the Huskies in this one in a close battle, but that's definitely going to be one that I wish I could watch that at the same time that I'm at the, uh, the UMass game with Penn state. So uh, definitely we'll be keeping, keeping a track on that on the, on the phone as the, the game goes along against UMass. Amen to that. Yeah. And if we're lucky, we'll probably have some fans, nearby that'll just be like running the score like on his phone you know like we've we've gotten lucky with that in the past like do you remember when we were following the score of texas alabama a couple years ago oh yeah and then um we, i think we were actually actually watching on somebody's phone the texas alabama game yeah so knowing then, that uh if we're lucky uh we'll have that again and then even for the <laughs> whiteout someone was showing us like the ohio state notre dame score 
Uh, they yep. weren't able to get the video up, but they were kind of giving us the play by play. And it was really funny. There was like seven seconds left with the ball on the one. I'm like, oh, they're going to do pass play here on third and goal and then do a QB sneak on the last play of the game. And that's exactly what Ohio State did. And yep. uh, Notre Dame thought it'd be a good idea to play with 10 guys in the field. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So other games, uh, USC, Notre Dame, that'll be that'll be a big one. Uh, USC, you know, especially defensively looks, um, vulnerable. However, Notre Dame is, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're beat up. They're tired. Like they, they got kind of handled at, at Louisville. Um, and, uh, so, you know, it's kind of hard to, uh, know like what they mentally will look like, uh, for this game. I mean, even though it's against a huge opponent, like, you know, like we've said a couple times here, you know, you can't you know, play these juggernauts back to back to back and uh, expect to play your best every time. So um, I think it's kind of a toss up, to be honest. Yeah, me, me too. Uh, I, th- I That's one I'm interested in as well. Uh, I think Caleb Williams is just going to be too much offense. Notre Dame, I just I don't think they can hang and put up the, the amount of points that can compete with the USC. Now, maybe if they if this was before the Ohio State game and they weren't banged up, I think it would be more competitive. But just because of where it is in the season, uh, yeah, the Irish, they need some the they need some rest and they're going to need a lot of luck for this one. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I like USC in that one. But hey, who knows? Maybe since USC's you know defense has been really poor this year and Notre Dame is at home, um, you know, they're making that long flight out there. Uh, maybe the offense is able to get things rolling. Maybe they get the, the running game going and play that time of possession game, keep the ball out of Caleb Williams hands. Uh, may, maybe that's something that, that the Irish are able to do. So, uh, yeah, time will tell. I'm sure we're going to be tuning into that after our game. Uh, some other games I think are going to be good are, uh, UCLA is ranked at number 18 in the country. They're at number 15, Oregon state, who I'm saying is going to be a member of the the big 10 i'm for next year i'm adding it in there yeah by halloween um kentucky missouri they're both five and one i think that game will be competitive that's a night game you got nc state at duke at night uh nc state's four and two so they're having a pretty good season uh miami despite that debacle against georgia tech is still ranked in the top 25 they're going to be playing Amazing. North Carolina, which I think North Carolina is going to rule. They've looked really good. I feel like they're a team that could potentially push for the college football playoff that nobody's talking about out of the ACC. I think they got a really good squad this year, so it'll be fun to see them play the Canes. You got Auburn at LSU. Auburn hung tough, hung tough with Georgia, so we'll see if they can, uh, you know, hang in there with the uh, the Tigers. Um, and then last one I'm, I think could be interesting is Texas A&M at Tennessee. Uh, they hung tough with Bama. Uh, Tennessee's been doing good. They're at home. So I think that'll be a, a good matchup as well. So those are the, the big ones I have uh, heading into the rest of the Big Ten. You got Indiana at Michigan. That's the big noon kickoff for the week. You got Michigan State at Rutgers. Ohio State at Purdue, Illinois at Maryland, and then uh, the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe. We have Iowa at Wisconsin. That's the Paul Bunyan's axe game, right? Iowa, Wisconsin. I believe or, so. Yes. Or yeah. is that the game? No, of no, no, Heroes? no. It's it's Wisconsin, Minnesota. 
That's oh, the Paul Bunyan's axe. Right. I was yeah. gonna say, like, wait, that seems pretty early for that game to happen. But okay, thank you, thank you for right. correcting me. So, yep, that's what's going on around in the Big Ten. Uh, we're gonna have a great time tailgating this weekend. Glad we'll all get to be together again and uh, hopefully have some positive post game pods instead of like against Northwestern with things they did wrong. Hoping to see see a lot of good things uh, Saturday. Amen to that. All right. Uh, anything you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, man. Just pumped for a uh, great football Saturday. We're all going to be uh, together tailgating. Um, hopefully the weather turns out to be drier than um, what is forecasted. Uh, so just uh, hoping for some good vibes some good food and some good football. Yeah, same here. And, and even when it's raining, you're always happy in Happy Valley. Like it's uh, that, great, that is great true. place to be. Great place to be. Good vibes. Love living here. So uh, glad you had to come up and experience the valley for for the day and and many more. So uh, yeah, thank absolutely. you guys for listening. Uh, if you'd like to support the pod, please tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please leave a five star review so other Nittany Lion fans like you can find us. Interested in new episodes? You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or other streaming platforms to be notified. Thank you for listening, and we want to remind you that we are the Nittany Blues Podcast. We'll see you next time.